is Eye on Ed, your source for information about audits, investigations, and other work by the U.S. Department of Education Office of Inspector General. Tune in for the latest news on our efforts to find and stop fraud, waste, and abuse in federal education programs, operations, and funding. Hi, I'm Stephanie Bloom. Welcome to Eye on Ed. Today we're discussing an issue that has generated a lot of media and congressional attention. It's the findings of our recent audit on the Department of Education's Federal Student Aid Office's oversight of student loan servicing. Here to discuss this audit with me are Howard Sorensen, Assistant Counsel to the Inspector General, and Greg Bernard, an auditor from our Chicago office. Gentlemen, thank you for being here today. Happy to be here. Glad to be here. Howard, let me start with you. What is student loan servicing all about? Uh, Stephanie, since uh, 2011, the Department of Education and, and the Federal Student Aid Office has been the sole source of federal student loans. The department has more than a trillion dollars in student loans, spread over millions of individual borrowers. The department can't make and collect these loans all by itself, so it has hired companies called servicers to do the work to collect the loans after students graduate from college. These are the companies that send a graduate the first letter, congratulations, you've graduated, you need to start paying your loans. Um, they collect the payments, they send reminder notices to students. These are the companies that answer the phone to answer any questions students have about their loans. If they uh, encounter financial difficulties and need to come up with a different payment plan, these are the companies they have to call to get answers on behalf of the Department of Education. So federal student aid contracts with these companies, and because they contract with the companies, they need to make sure that the companies do what they promised the department they will do. Wow, that's really a lot of loans they have to service and a lot of customers they're working with. Greg, how many companies is FSA contracting with to service these loans? Well, as of the end of our audit period in September 2017, there were nine servicers under contract to service federal student loans. Companies like Navient, Nelnet Servicing, and FIA. And what are some of the things FSA does to oversee those companies? Well, at the time of our audit, FSA had several procedures to oversee the work of the loan servicers to ensure they were meeting all federal requirements for servicing the loans. For example, FSA listened to recorded telephone calls between the loan servicers and borrowers. They did their own reviews and reviewed audits of the servicers that were conducted by independent auditors. They had meetings with the servicers once or twice a month to go over issues FSA found or handle any other concerns. And they also surveyed borrowers and FSA employees twice a year to gauge their satisfaction with the servicers. And then FSA used those survey results to help determine how many new loans to allocate to each servicer. So Greg, what did your audit examine? Well, we looked at whether steps taken by FSA to oversee the servicers lowered the risk of servicers not complying with laws and regulations. To determine this, we had to first narrow FSA's oversight activities down to the ones that had the biggest impact on the effectiveness of FSA's oversight. Those key activities were listening to phone calls between borrowers and loan servicers, reviewing the servicers' records to assess compliance with laws and regulations, and 
reviewing independent auditor reports on servicers' operations. So after we identified those key activities, our audit examined FSA's records that were relevant to those activities. And what were you looking for? We were looking for identified instances of noncompliance. That is, anything in the records that said the servicer wasn't doing what it was supposed to be doing. And once identified, we categorized each instance into groups based on the general subject area. So, for example, if the noncompliance was related to forbearance or repayment or interest rates. And we examined which noncompliance subject areas happened more than once at each loan servicer. And we looked at FSA's recommendations and the servicer's proposed corrective actions to determine whether those actions would likely lower the risk of similar instances of noncompliance reoccurring. Right, Greg. Um, we were looking for what did FSA do when it found that there was noncompliance? We, we were looking to see what action did FSA take to lower the risk that that same thing might happen again in the future. Greg, what did your audit find? Overall, we concluded that FSA's policies and procedures did not really lower the risk of noncompliance. We had two significant findings. First, we found that FSA wasn't tracking all of the noncompliance they identified. In fact, if they found something wrong on site and the servicer promised to fix it, they didn't even enter that noncompliance into the database that they used to record noncompliance. And they weren't using the information they did have to identify trends or patterns of repeated noncompliance at each servicer or across servicers. And second, we determined that FSA rarely held servicers accountable for the noncompliance they did identify. All right, let's start by talking about those trends. Why does it matter that FSA wasn't tracking all instances of noncompliance? It matters because FSA might not be able to identify trends or repeated instances of the same type of noncompliance, either at a single servicer or across all servicers. And that makes it harder for FSA to know when to take some additional action or hold servicers more accountable for repeated noncompliance. And if I may, Greg, I sort of think about it like this. All these different reviews that FSA does, they're taking snapshots at different points in time and at different parts and different activities of the servicers. They're not taking all those snapshots and putting them together for the big picture. Okay. So it sounds like FSA didn't really have all the records and information it needed to get the big picture of what was going on at the servicers. But your audit also found that when FSA did identify problems at servicers, it rarely held them accountable. What are some of the things FSA could have done? Well, in FSA's contracts with the loan servicers, there are a couple provisions that allow FSA to penalize servicers for noncompliance. For example, FSA can require a servicer to return the fees that was paid to service an account, or FSA can assign fewer new loans to the servicer that didn't comply with the laws and regulations. But we found that FSA rarely did either of those two things. What is the impact of FSA not holding the servicers accountable? Well, one impact is in terms of the taxpayer dollars that fund federal student aid programs. FSA might be paying the loan servicers more than the servicers are entitled to. And if FSA doesn't recoup money from loan servicers for their noncompliance and doesn't adjust the number of loans noncompliant servicers are assigned, FSA ends up paying more than it should. Also, if FSA doesn't hold servicers accountable, the servicers have less incentive to follow all the rules. 
And there could be a tremendous impact on borrowers, too. Unless the servicers give the borrowers correct information about the repayment options that they have under the law, they may be paying more than they need to under their financial circumstances. They could even end up defaulting on the loan. Your audit made six recommendations to address the issues you identified. Can you highlight a couple for us, Greg? Sure. Uh, Well, FSA can and should do more to ensure that the loan servicers are complying with all federal requirements to not only protect borrowers, but also to ensure that taxpayer dollars are protected from improper payments. So we recommended that FSA track all instances of noncompliance that they identify during their oversight activities and use that information to see if there are trends of noncompliance at each servicer or across all servicers. We also recommended that FSA use the information to evaluate the performance of the servicers and actually use the contract provisions to hold servicers accountable by requiring them to return money or by reducing the amount of loans they get in the future. And did FSA agree with your findings and recommendations? Well, FSA disagreed with our overall conclusion that they weren't mitigating the risk of servicers' noncompliance. They also disagreed with certain aspects of our finding about tracking noncompliance and stated that the wording of the finding implied a broader risk than our examples showed. But, as we pointed out, 61% of the reports we reviewed identified at least one instance of noncompliance, including some repeated noncompliance at some servicers. FSA also disagreed that they weren't holding servicers accountable and said that they had taken action since the end of our audit period to recover more money from servicers for noncompliance, although what they have recovered is still a small amount of the money FSA pays loan servicers. But despite their disagreement with parts of our finding, FSA agreed with all of our recommendations and said they're already implementing the corrective actions. So Howard, what's the big takeaway from this audit? Federal student aid is actually doing a lot of different activity with the services. It's just not putting it all together, realizing exactly what's going on, and taking action to prevent further noncompliance in the future. We've given recommendations. It's agreed to carry out all of them. If it carries out the recommendations, it should be in a better place. And I understand we'll hear more about that on March 6th when the OIG will testify before Congress on the audit. Yes, our Assistant Inspector General for Audit will be speaking to a House of Representatives Appropriations Subcommittee. And we'll look forward to that. Thank you, Howard and Greg, for taking time to join us today and break down this complex and very important issue. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. You can read the full audit report and find more information about our office and our work on our website. Check back with us for additional podcasts and updates, including the March 6th testimony. I'm Stephanie Bloom with the U.S. Department of Education, Office of Inspector General, and this has been Eye on Edge.